Welcome to Soundboard, your source for news, culture, and community issues in Central Virginia. My name's Molly Strauchler. Soundboard airs every Saturday at 6 a.m. on WTJU 91.1 Charlottesville. And also podcasting as part of the Tej FM network. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Tune in, subscribe, and find out what's happening in your community and around the state. Later in the show, we'll hear from Richmond-based journalist Peter Galeska, plus an interview with Gwen Cassidy, founder of the Eco-Chic Boutique. But right now, we're joined in the studio with Charlottesville Tomorrow reporters Billy Jean-Louis, Ali Sullivan, and Nora Melinda, and news editor Elliot Robinson. Today we're joined by a team from Charlottesville Tomorrow. Billy Jean-Louis, education reporter at Charlottesville Tomorrow. Nora Melinda, news intern, Charlottesville Tomorrow. Ali Sullivan, news intern, Charlottesville Tomorrow. Elliot Robinson, news editor, Charlottesville Tomorrow. Thank you all so much for being here. Billy, do you mind starting us off with an update on the public hearing regarding the name of Kale Elementary School? Of course. So the people who knew former Albemarle County Public Schools Superintendent Paul H. Kale, who is the namesake of Paul uh, Kale Elementary School, uh, praised him during a public hearing for for his efforts in handling integration uh, in the county. Now, the discussion has been whether the county should change or keep the name of Paul Kale Elementary after a 1956 magazine article that implied the superintendent argued against integrating. Uh, now, the ruling of the Brown versus Board of Education occurred in 1954. Kale operated schools from 1947 to 1967. Uh, I'll tell you this, no one at the hearing um, spoke in favor of changing the name of the school. Uh, I had the uh, the opportunity to talk to Paul uh, MacArthur. Uh, He said he was expecting more people to show up, you know, to like have both sides of the equations. Uh, Now, as a committee member, uh, he has no control over who shows up to talk. I also had a chance to talk to Paul Kell Jr. He said his dad, faced many challenges, including board members at the time who were trying to allocate scholarship money for uh, parents who wanted to send their children to private school, um, to private segregated school. He also told me that his dad was colorblind. He was against the idea of allocating money to send uh, uh, white students to segregated school. Based on uh, on observations of what happened at the public hearing, he's asking committee members to be somewhat open-minded about the controversy. Do you get the sense that there is community support for changing the name? Like the committee member said, whenever there's a controversy like this, you're always going to have like a population of people who's against you know changing the name and who's who's for keeping the name. So there's always going to be two two sides of the equations. So with the the name change, uh, of course, is uh, started with a presentation at the county school board back in October of last year. But with the low turnout this meeting, I, I feel that it's a, a combination of several things, one of which being that there is a, a tendency for people to not show up for certain meetings, and that's always been just an issue that in this locality and in other localities are trying to... Uh, garner more community engagement. And also, I, I also feel that some people 
do believe that the situation is out of their hands, that the school board's either made up their mind or the committee has already made up its mind. But I encourage anyone for whatever side of the topic that they're on to show up to these meetings to write to their officials. Has the committee considered any names that could replace the current name of Cal Elementary? So what will happen, uh, they will make a recommendation to Superintendent Matt Haas. So the third meeting, which is scheduled for July 30th, um, they'll hear, uh, the community will have the opportunity to hear from the Cal family. Following that meeting, they're going to have, they're going to have a fourth meeting and in that meeting, they will make a recommendation to Matt Haas on, you know, whether they want to keep the name or not. In another piece of local news, the city and county have both been considering whether or not to continue to give city employees and county employees the day off for Thomas Jefferson's birthday. Can you talk a little bit about these two discussions? So Charlottesville um, City Council met on this Monday in Albemarle County met this Wednesday, and um, the city council is still deciding as to whether or not they would like to um, replace celebrating Thomas Jefferson's birthday with Liberation and Freedom Day, which would um, be potentially on March 3rd or March 4th. Um, They will be completely deciding um, to talk about it more on July 1st, and um, Albemarle County decided yesterday that they would like to have a floating holiday and in the place of celebrating Thomas Jefferson's birthday. And the decision in Charlottesville is a lot more symbolic than the one in Albemarle. The Albemarle County decision was more so due to logistical concerns. April 13th is really close to tax day, so people wanted to access county buildings, but they couldn't um, because they were closed. However, in Charlottesville, it's more making a statement about reckoning with Charlottesville's past and moving forward. And what has community response been like? Um, At the last city council meeting, there seemed to be pretty overwhelming support um, for no longer celebrating April 13th as a city holiday um, and replacing that celebration with a March 3rd or March 4th celebration. I think the only thing we'll have to decide on is like more logistical concerns as to whether or not the Liberation Day will be celebrated on like a Monday or Friday consistently, whether or not It'll be a two-day holiday, just kind of like little details like that. Is there anything else that the city plans to do to mark Liberation Day? Not to my knowledge, other than a paid city holiday. But I'm sure there have been celebrations in the past two years. We've been celebrating Liberation Day since 2017. There's always city events, and I'm sure we'll continue to do that. I think there was this... There would be a bit of controversy with the removal of Thomas Jefferson's birthday as a city holiday. As uh, Nora and Ali mentioned, was that it is very symbolic that after the events of August 2017, there's been a reckoning of a lot of symbols and things that are observed in the city. And this is just a, another aspect of that, of just looking at what does the city want to stand for, what are the beliefs that it stands for, and one of them was this reckoning with the complex history of Thomas Jefferson. We have the one of the founding fathers, but he also owned slaves. And this is just another example of uh, the city trying to reconcile and have some healing for some of the painful parts of his past. Again, thank you all so much for being here. It's always great to talk to you. Find out more and read the latest at charlottesvilletomorrow.org.
You're listening to Soundboard here on WTJU 91.1 FM Charlottesville and the Tej FM Network, T-E-E-J dot FM. WTJU and Tej FM are both a service of the University of Virginia. Opinions expressed on this show are, of course, just that, opinions, not the positions of the University of Virginia. Well, as we do every week, we check in with our friend over in Richmond, journalist Peter Galeska. Hello. Let's start by discussing the recent gerrymandering case that state Republicans sent to the Supreme Court. What impact do you expect this to have on Virginia state politics? It's going to have a huge impact, um, very significant one, since all the uh, House of Delegates and Senate seats uh, are up for grabs in uh, November's coming upcoming election. The Supreme Court's 5-4 to four decision really only affects the House of Delegates, but it distinctly gives the, um, the Democrats a better chance in at least a half a dozen or so of 11 districts involved with uh, the gerrymandering case. And that would mean if that happens, then the right now the Republicans dominate the House of Delegates 51 to 48 with a swing vote going. Uh, and, and so... Um, but if you get a half a dozen more votes or more Democrats in, that obviously swings the House to the Democratic side. Were there any districts in particular that the Republicans were concerned with? Yeah, just just by way of a little background, um, there, uh, you know, every every ten years or so, uh, districts get redistricted uh, according to census material. And this is the second case where a court has found that Republicans who dominated the redistricting process. Uh, packed um, districts uh, to in with African American voters to give white candidates a better chance, which means usually Republicans. And uh, the Supreme Court, this happened in a congressional district, um, which was upheld and redistricted um, or congressional districts. Now it has to do with the House of Delegates. So um, the GOP, uh, led by uh, Speaker of the House uh, Kirk Cox. Uh, challenged the court, a lower court's decision, and went to the Supreme Court, which turned them down, clearing the way for the redistricting to go ahead, or the, the you know the anti-gerrymandering uh, procedure to go ahead. So, speaking of Republicans in the General Assembly, do you think the governor and lieutenant governor will be successful in their attempt to bring about more gun control regulations? Um, that's another issue. I don't know. I mean, that obviously, if you have more Democrats in the General Assembly. Uh, they're probably likely to go for more controls. As you know, Governor Ralph Northam is having calling a special session of the General Assembly in uh, in July to go over uh, gun control legislation in the wake of the uh, uh, mass shooting in Virginia Beach uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, these would, could include such things as, um, you know, re- restricting gun use in municipal buildings in the state and also put restrictions on high capacity magazines for guns. Uh, but there are, there are a number of uh, matters they could take up. And usually, by the way, almost all gun control legislation in the last in recent years has been shot down even before, just in committee by the uh, Republicans. So that, that would t- tip the balance. The governor and lieutenant governor have been kind of staying out of the limelight recently. Do you expect the scandals this spring to have an impact on this special session? Yeah, no, that's what the Republicans have come back with. Actually, uh, Northam was was apparently, allegedly pictured, dressed up in either blackface or in a Ku Klux Klan outfit in a yearbook uh, at his medical school back in the early 80s. 
Um, meanwhile, the lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, has been accused by two women of sexual misconduct some, some years ago. And so the Republicans are saying, some Republicans are saying that the special session is, is an attempt to, you know, distract negative attention from both the governor and lieutenant governor. Lastly here, switching gears, recently Amazon has placed their second headquarters in northern Virginia. I was wondering if you could expand on how this came to be and kind of give a little context leading up to that point. As well. Sure. Um, as you know, Amazon, which is based out in Seattle, uh, wanted to locate two new headquarters in the, somewhere in the country. And all these states were buying and offering all kinds of goodies and incentives and the like. And the two winners were New York City and Northern Virginia, although New York later uh, took back its, its invitation. So um, Northern Virginia really won big um, in this because the uh, recent economic survey says that uh, with a ripple effect, Amazon could add 59,000 new jobs and uh, in Northern Virginia. And one of the reasons, key reasons it's come out that Virginia won was instead of just offering goodies, you know, like money, millions of dollars in public money for whatever, they really touted uh, Virginia's, um, you know, intellectual high-tech atmosphere, especially in Northern Virginia, saying that they're, and this has been supported by um, some sociologists, one um, uh, by the name of uh, Enrico uh, Moretti, uh, wrote a book about how if you have a really well-educated people in the labor force, that's a tremendous advantage when you're trying to attract new businesses. There was also a lot of resistance leading up uh, to the proposal for the headquarters in Long Island. Right. I was wondering if there was anything on that um, same page happening in Northern Virginia, and what, and what was the uh, overall reception well, to this? I tell you, I mean, actually, New York offered... Uh, Amazon and, and even we, we Virginia offered them something like five hundred and seventy three million dollars in incentives, and New York offered much more than that, but then, because of local opposition, they took back their offer, which some people say was a not a bright thing to do, but it shows though that you know it's, traditionally in, in economic development uh, state economic uh, development authorities such as the Virginia economic development. Uh, group here um, has just thrown money at, at pro- new business prospects. But this time they did a much more sophisticated approach that included incentives, but also brought up the fact that there already is a very strong uh, high-tech presence in, in Washington and the D.C. area in Virginia because of the Pentagon and, and other government agencies. How are residents of that part of Northern Virginia reacting to the news? Well, there's been a, some opposition, clearly, because, um, you know, a lot of these jobs will pay more than 100000 And um, that's going to, you know, as you know, the D.C. area has very high real estate prices, and this will drive prices up even more. And so a lot of people, especially in Arlington and, and, and Fairfax, specifically Arlington, are, are really worried that they, you know, their rents are going to go up, and or they won't be able to buy a new house in the area. They have to move miles away, and this is a huge problem in many tech centers, like you know, Boston, San Francisco, and others. Has Amazon or the city there responded to those concerns? Yeah, they they say they're going to take steps to make sure there's affordable housing, but you know, again, that's you know, kind of tough, especially given the rise of prices in D.C. And, and the fact that the suburbs now are also really gentrifying. Yes, I mean, D.C. is pretty, the district itself is pretty much built out, but not so northern Virginia. Maryland also competed for Amazon, but lost. Uh, obviously, you know, it's a 
stuff to cross the bridge to get into Maryland, so I'm not sure it's that big a difference in the market. But anyway, Virginia really won. And part of that is that the Virginia Economic Development Partnership, which is the lead economic development agency in the state, is under new management. They had some scandals a few years ago about you know, giving companies millions of dollars that they absconded with. And that is, that is not happening anymore. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for joining us this morning. Okay. As always, we really appreciate your time. Peter Galeska is a journalist based in Richmond. You're listening to Soundboard here on WTJU 91.1 FM Charlottesville and the Tej FM Network, T-E-E-J dot FM. WTJU is supported by the Southern Environmental Law Center, celebrating 30 years of protecting the South's environment and the people who depend on it for health and well-being. Power of the Law. Southern Environmental Law Center. Today we are speaking with the founder of EcoChic Boutique, Gwen Cassidy, about free fashion shows and classes happening in Charlottesville and around the state. She guest lectures at UVA on the empirical analysis of secondhand commodities, slow fashion, the perils of fast fashion, and social entrepreneurship. Gwen, thank you so much for coming in today. How can we get involved with these free fashion shows, and where can we go to get more information on them? Well, first and foremost, Matt, we are having the most fantastic, spectacular, fantabulous fashion shows here in Charlottesville. They're going to be interactive, innovative, and educational. For example, I teach at UVA on the empirical analysis of secondhand commodities, the perils of fast fashion, slow fashion implementation, as well as social entrepreneurship. So not only are our classes hands-on, where students of all ages are making and upcycling their own apparel, or apparel that we have in our location at Stonefield, but we're also educating our guests as to what is happening on the planet due to fast fashion. Can you expand upon how that educational aspect is going to be integrated into the fashion shows throughout the summer? Well, www.lovemother.earth essentially is focusing on how we can sustain our fashions. And at ecochic.boutique, located at the Shops of Stonefield, is where we're hosting all of our free fashion shows and upcycling classes for the community. They are completely free of charge. We want to be able to provide every socioeconomic strata with a free family fun event. And our first fashion show is Saturday, June 29th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Shops at Stonefield, where we're collaborating with other local shop owners and some of the national chains such as L.L. Bean, Orvis, um, and other uh, national chains will be present at the Shops at Stonefield fashion show for lovemother.earth. And then we will be having our second fashion show at the Taubman Museum. And we're asking all of the children um, of all ages to upcycle a data disk. Now, our data disks are representing from the bees to the trees, the leaves to the seas. What would you miss most on Mother Earth is our prompt for the students of all ages. I'll be wearing a denim dress train 100 feet long comprised of the data disks. We're asking for 2020 Virginia students. We already have disks from the Jewish Community Center in Richmond. We're working with organizations in Roanoke. Um, And we're also doing this in light of the two-year Charlottesville incident. So to promote peace, prosperity, and sustainability, 
Um, we will be at the X Park for our grand finale with a, over two dozen community partners on August 3rd. It's a Saturday from noon to four where we will have our grand finale of the lovemother.earth fashion shows. On the topic of education, because that's closely intertwined with the fashion experience as well, I was wondering if you could speak to that aspect and how that works in with the fashion experience. Although fashion is our passion, I am an educator by training and by trade. That's what pays my, my bills. Um, I teach every morning at Chinese students from 4 to 10 a.m. So although, again, Fashion is our passion, but education is our first priority. So in the interactive, educational, innovative fashion shows, we're going to be having the children scream out the scary statistics uh, so that people are aware of what's happening due to the perils of fast fashion. So, for example, you know, we'll have the little ones scream out, Hey, Grandma, did you know that there were 9 to 14 trillion tons of apparel left in landfills last year? And just scary statistics of that nature so that we can educate the general public and our audience at the June 29th and August 3rd local fashion shows. And Gwen, can you remind us, what's the schedule looking like for those fashion shows? The first fashion show is June 29th at the shops at Stonefield, ecochic.boutique. The second one is at the Taubman Museum in Roanoke, my favorite small museum in the world. And our third one will be at August 3rd at the X Park from noon to 4 with two dozen community partners. We're going to have a lot of great entertainment, some absolutely fantastic acts, local, local acts. And we're looking currently for like-minded community partners who want to help managing love raise awareness to our seven pillars of education, slow fashion, data and technology, agriculture and food, water, renewable energy and affordable housing, and health and mental health wellness. So we're looking for community partners that are like-minded and want to raise awareness to their organization, um, their non-government organization, their NGO, or a local CBO, community-based organization, um, just smaller ones that really want to be involved in helping us raise awareness to peace, prosperity, and sustainability. Now, there's going to be a denim dress train at one of the fashion shows. What is that going to look like, and how can students get involved with that effort? Yes, we are currently seeking 2020 Virginia students to upcycle a recycled DVD or CD. And we want you to really think about from the bees to the trees, the leaves to the seas, what would you miss most on Mother Earth? And loveother.earth, our fashion show website, goes into more detail. So it's www.lovemother.earth. For more information on those free fashion shows and other fashion classes happening throughout Virginia this summer, where can we go to get more information on those? We do have a lovemother.earth website. Um, we do have a Facebook page for the ecochic.boutique, and I have an event page for the lovemother.earth website. It'd be very beneficial if people could go ahead and go to that and sign up if they are interested in attending, just so we have a good idea of numbers and how many people will be in attendance. But we're really looking for, most of all, our participants in the free classes so they can participate in the fashion shows. So if you have a passion for fashion like we do, please come visit www.lovemother.earth 
and visit us at the ecochic.boutique at the shops at Stonefield here in Charlottesville. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gwen. We really appreciate your time and wish you all the best of luck with the free fashion shows and beyond. And that does it for this week's edition of Soundboard, your source for news, culture, and community issues in Central Virginia. My name's Molly Strauchler. Our theme song is Kyoja Beat by Morwenna Lasco and Jay Pun. This is Soundboard. Catch us at WTJU.net or our podcast home at TEEJFM. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Peace out, Charlottesville.